Do you have aspirations to be a leader in your business or organization? Welcome to Leadership Stars with your host, Linda Patton. Each week, we feature true leaders recognized in their fields who provide insight and ideas in creating a strong team and how you can become an effective leader. Now, here is Linda Patton. Welcome to today's episode of Leadership Stars. I have an absolutely stellar guest on with us today. With this being the the beginning of the year, change is really in the air for this year, for what people are doing um, in the world. And, uh, you know, do you find change is difficult? I mean, about a quarter of the people that I work with go, "Uh, change? Well, maybe half the people. Um, I I, I don't like change. I don't want to do it. You know, how do I know that everybody's going to be okay? Do we really have all the facts that we need in order to make change? And our guest today really also talks about personal resilience about that. Um, how do you use your own resilience to make those changes easy and effortless? Today, I have a recognized leader in behavioral, organizational, and personal change. Patty Vargas is definitely here to inspire us with her own journey to discover the difference between going under and pushing through. And I find that fascinating. Patty, welcome to the show. Thanks, Linda. Good to be with you. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a delight. I've been waiting for the show for a long time, and I'm so happy it it finally began. Um, I do have one question for you before we actually get into your background and and that kind of thing. Um, I've read uh, Stephen M. R. Covey's book, and his quote is around, change moves at the speed of trust. What does that mean to you? It's one of the things that, um, I think it's really foundational to uh, to navigating through change is that there is an element of trust in there that either this change is safe or uh, I have confidence that whoever, let's say we're talking about organizational change, whoever is leading us through this change has the ability to get us through to the other side. Uh, so I think there's so much chaos disruption and uncertainty when we're in times of change, that feeling that you can trust somebody or that you can trust yourself or you can trust the process is, is huge to getting, getting through that and making it out alive on the other side. <laughs> I think that's great. Yes, I, I, I so agree. And I mean, I'm sure you've worked with various four box systems around how people communicate and how they like change and that yeah. kind of thing. And mm-hmm. um, I, I find that there, there are folks who, um, you know, as long as they know what the bottom line is, they're fine. As long as they bought into the bottom line, let's go and let's make it happen. Um, you have other folks who say, is this the latest and greatest? If so, I'm all on board. And, oh, by the way, if there's a shiny object, I'm going over there uh, kind of right. thing. Then you have the wonderful folks who are just so in tune with the people in, involved with the change that their biggest concern is how will this affect them? And as you said, how do we make sure that they're safe and they feel that I, as the leader, have that ability to bring them through and to bring them through safely. And then you have our folks who um, love numbers um, and love all the details Mm -hmm. 
and oh my God, you couldn't, you know, you give them a 300 research page book and they go, that's not enough. There's got to be more. Um, so right. I, th- I think you're so right that the leader has to be able to give them the ability to trust that you as the leader are going to take them through that chaos, this that disruption, that fire that you're going through um, in order to make that change happen and that you trust them to be safe mm-hmm. and uh, right? Yes. You know, it's funny that you mentioned the, the four box uh, personality or behavioral styles because yeah. I am uh, firmly in the two boxes that resist change. <laughs> and so my, my tendency is, oh, if this is the latest great greatest thing, I'm not on board. You know, you've mm-hmm. got to prove it to me. Or uh, I don't want change just for the sake of change or what's wrong with things the way they are. So, uh, you know, early in my career, uh, I had to learn that change was inevitable. You know, it was the, the name of the game, whether you're in business, whether you're in your personal life or, or your, your um, relationships, change is just going to happen. And you can resist it. You can hate it. You can fight against it. It doesn't change it one bit. All it does is make it a whole lot harder on you to adapt and, and overcome and, and move forward. And I think that's the real key around change is that change is inevitable. Change is happening everywhere every second of the day and that by resisting it, it's not going to make it stop. Um, if anything, as yeah. you said, it's going to make it more difficult to move through it and to get to the other side. Um, and I think that's that's something that as leaders we need to be able to foster in the people that we work with um, and understand, you know, sort of where they're coming from. You know, what's okay. your challenge with change, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And, you know, honestly, uh, change is a good thing. If we don't change, we become stagnant. You know, a stagnant pool just breeds bacteria and and germs and bugs and things like that. And in a business, if they don't change, if they don't respond to market pressures or changing technology or, or customer demand, then they cease to exist. So recognizing that change is really the order of the day. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. You know, let me make a differentiation there. It's fine to say that in business, this is a requirement to stay viable and to stay alive. That doesn't mean that in our personal relationships or in our personal <laughs> life, that that's necessarily true. Um, but it does you know, change does happen outside of the business arena and, and has a, a great deal to do with, um, you know, with just how we, how we grow as human beings, how we progress as people. Yeah, I think that's so very true about, you know, if you don't change, you're stagnant. There's a statistic, and, and I don't remember exactly what it is, but that um, the Fortune 500, those that were there like in the 40s and 50s, I think there are like one or two that are still in the Fortune 500. The rest are either mm-hmm. out of business or have merged with someone else. Um, and and par- a lot of it has to do with were they able to make changes, this world changed so rapidly and so dramatically, right? Right, right. 
Yeah, I haven't yeah. been to Blockbuster, you know, any time recently. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, well, even some some that you know were recognized as as key leaders, um, like I said in the fifties, um, they're they're either part of someone else, um, or they're just not around anymore. And well, and you you look at um, let's look at brick and mortar bookstores. Um, mm-hmm. How many brick and mortar bookstores do you see? Right. Yep. There used to, there used to be yep. just a horde. You know, you had Bay Books, you had Barnes & Noble, um, you had Crown, um, and all of these, not not to mention all the independents, and Amazon with their online ordering system and their discounts drove them out of business. I mean, people basically said, why, why do I want to go to a bookstore? I can, I can get it cheaper on Amazon, and I can get it today, um, kind of thing. Right. And yet, what's, Barnes, what's Amazon doing now? They've opened brick and mortar bookstores. Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's just yeah. excuse me. So I asked I asked a bookseller. I said, "So why are you doing this?" And she said, "Amazon felt it was time that people once again wanted to be able to feel the book before they bought it, and to have someone they could talk to about the different books and that kind of thing." And she said, "So we opened a bookstore." Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Very, very interesting. And, Pat, and oh, that's a, a, an interesting transition, too, when you think about it, because mm-hmm. um, opening a, a, a brick-and-mortar store after so long of everything being online is, I believe, indicative of um, people's desire to connect again, mm. physically connect, connect face-to-face with people. And so just like that pendulum swung so far one way, it's now swinging back the other way. And and it's very smart to have a business model that can address the emotional, uh, physical, and financial needs of your of your customers. So yep, there Absolutely. you go. Yeah, I so agree. Um, I do. I do recommend to my audience that if you have a moment and you can read James Patterson's The Store. Um, it's very interesting. Um, it, in some respects, it patterns uh, what Amazon has done and, and how they look at buying patterns and, and what their audience is looking for and that kind of thing. Um, it's it's very interesting. Um, I found it um, fascinating, to say the least. Patty, you have an extremely varied and interesting background. Would you share with the audience you know, how you got to where you are today? Uh, okay, how much time do you have? Oh. <laughs> you know, it, it's they. You know, they say that uh, that now uh, people are going to have you know like up to eight careers in their lifetime, and oh, yeah. I, you know, I I kind of laugh at that because I'm like, well, duh, you know, that's just sort of how how one grows and and develops, you know, over over their lifetime. But I actually started my my professional career, I guess you would say, in social work. And uh, was working with um, the underserved and disadvantaged uh, on the streets, working with uh, the drug addicted and and their families and all the fallout that comes from that. Um, from that, uh, you know, honestly, the heartbreak of that and the uh, the frustration and sadness that kind of went along with some of that uh, led me to, you know, go into corporate work. And so I gradually moved into doing, of all things, software technical support, where I mm-hmm. was 
you know, and I was the one on the other end of the phone when your software wasn't working, you know, and so yeah. I would be helping you figure out what was wrong with it. And from there moved into quality work, then moved into project management, and then moved into leadership roles within um, the technical arena. So I was leading project managers, software engineers, that kind of thing. So I, I have a very... Um, Heart, you know, started out with a heartfelt mission, went into a techie mission, and then, you know, ultimately married the two together because I, I discovered that the missing piece in project success was relationship, was what was the relationship like with the customer? What was the relationship like with the people doing that project together? Did they, did they love one another? Were they committed to the end goal, you know, to getting there with the team intact and delivering a good product and so forth? So I began to then uh, coach other technical leaders on how do you instill this feeling of, of community within your project teams. And that just kind of set the stage for, you know, that next phase of my career. For the most part, my, my clientele has usually, from a corporate side, been in the technical or operational arena. Mm-hmm. But teaching them how to, how to be human beings with one another and how important the relationship was to how well they would work together and deliver a good quality product at the end. So the the next phase of my of my career and kind of what I'm focusing on now is really uh, how does change disrupt what we're trying to get done? How do mm-hmm. we pull together to work together to uh, to get through whatever it is that has changed? Because face it. In, in projects and in the work that we do, nothing ever ends up the way we thought it was going to be at the beginning. And then on a, a personal side, coaching individuals for how are they managing themselves and managing their, their reactions and their attitudes and their, um, you know, how they're going to deal with this change, take back some of the control. So my, on an individual basis, my clients might be people who are experiencing huge amounts of corporate change. You know, their, their companies keep reorganizing or they keep downsizing or they keep being bought or sold. Um, on a personal side, it might be, wow, you know, my, my husband just walked out on me or we've just moved to a new city and I don't know anybody. Um, I just lost my job. Um, my children have all flown the nest, you know, any, any kind of thing that, that just really represents uh, a disruption to the status quo is, is what I really love to work with people on. Awesome. Um, Patty, you also are certified as a project manager, correct? Yep, I got my PMP in 2001. Congratulations. And I know you're also um, certified through John Maxwell's leadership program as well. Yep, I am. And and then also certified in the DISC behavioral studies. Aha. Um, So I guess my question, Patty, is with all those certifications, did you find that um, they were working more with a masculine model of organizations, structure? structure, um, strategy, that kind of thing. And that what you brought in was 
what I call the more feminine side with let's build community, let's have relationships, let's make sure that we like each other, that we're working together on an initiative, not just individual silos. Mm-hmm. Would you say that? Well, definitely that that was- in the in the PMP side mm-hmm. of my training, you know, the um, in project management, uh, there is what we call the PMBOK, which is the Project Management Body of Knowledge. Right. And it's a very uh, definitive state on how one does project management. And it looks at these various uh, phases and states and stages of a project. There's nothing wrong with that. It's necessary that something be the, the baseline uh, you know, Bible, mm-hmm. I guess, you know, to go by in it. However, it's very clinical. It's very uh, making the assumption basically that this is the way every organization would do it. And, you know, the, the people who have been doing project management for any length of time realize it's a guidebook. It's not the way it's necessarily going to be done everywhere. So having that ability to say there is more to not layer on top of this, but to weave throughout it. There is, um, there is a lot more that has to be considered other than just this textbook approach to things. Mm-hmm. In the Very- projects, you know, at one point in my career, I would be brought into an organization when the project was in trouble. They were mm-hmm. missing their dates. Their budget was blown. Uh, customers hated them, whatever the case may be. And nine times out of ten, there was nothing wrong with the technology they had chosen. There was nothing wrong with their approach. Everything centered on the dysfunction within the team. Okay, and Patty, I'm going to stop you right there. something that we could, could really drill in to anybody leading people is that those behavioral competencies are a differentiator in your ability to lead. Okay, so it is vital to have the human component in with the project management software that perhaps you're working with. So audience, while we take this short break, I'd like you to consider the last project you were on, was it strictly by the book, by the computer software, or were you able to bring in that people quality because it's vitally important and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Have you left your corporate or military career to start your own business? Are you frustrated that you're not seeing the success you expected as an entrepreneur? Let leadership expert Linda Patton show you the key skills and mindset you need to engage your team, build your influence, and create the thriving business of your dreams. Linda Patton understands the challenges and frustrations facing a new business owner. Drawing from her own 40 years of experience in the military, corporate, government, and entrepreneurial arenas. That's why it's become Linda's life work to help women like you truly become the world-changing, extraordinary leaders you are meant to be. Are you ready to step in, step up, and step out into leadership to create an exceptional business and life? Start by scheduling a free 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at Dare to Lead with Linda.com. That's Linda at Dare, the number two, leadwithlinda.com. 
Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit voiceamerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Linda Patton draws from her four decades of leadership experience and her heartfelt passion to show women how to lead, dream, and create what inspires them. Her signature training programs and workshops will guide you through the key skills you need to own your leadership power, build your resources, plan your path, and take the actions that will translate your vision into reality. Start by scheduling a free, no-obligation, 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at daretodreamwithlinda.com. That's Linda at dare, the number two, dreamwithlinda.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Leadership Stars with Linda Patton. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Linda at daretoleadwithlinda.com. Now, back to Leadership Stars. Welcome back. And my guest today is Patty Vargas, who is a recognized leader in performance and change management with a proven track record in behavioral, organizational, and personal change. Patty, welcome back. Thanks, Linda. Enjoying it. So, Patty, we sort of ended... um, Looking at project management, the masculine and the feminine, and, and how that works. Uh, quick question. What do you think is the number one mistake that organizations make when they embark on a change initiative? You know, what I have found is that um, by the time a change initiative is launched, you know, whether it's mm-hmm. replacing a major uh, software system or trying to implement a new cultural initiative or uh, reorganization, whatever the case may be, um, those leaders, you know, the, the, the top tier, they've already been thinking about this, strategizing around it. It's been on their radar for quite a while. And then by the time they launch it out to the, the rest of the organization, it's brand new to the rest mm. of the organization. They don't know anything about it. And so sometimes leadership can, they, they want to short circuit that adaptation time that's needed, that, that ruminating, that, you know, getting used to the idea because it's already been on their plate forever. You know, they're, they're well-versed with it. And so let's just go. And just as they probably needed some time to sit with the idea and and planning and so forth, the people that this is now being thrust upon need that same thing. The managers who are going to have to lead their people through this, the people who are going to be the most affected by it, all of them, it's it's not, you can't just flip a switch and say, now get on board, let's go. <laughs> so what I find they, they shortchange is having anybody... Focusing on that that change, the impact of change, the health of the organization, the 
um, how it's going to affect the people that are going to have to uh, not just implement this change, but live through the change and then ultimately have to work within that change on the other side. So if they can have as much time in their their project rollout plan and have somebody focused on and looking at the health of the organization through this change, they're going to be far more successful instead of just, let's just plow through, let's just get it done, let's, you know, let's just move forward. Yeah, Patty, I so, I so agree with that, that, you know, the, the folks who are in, initiating the change have all that time to, you know, work through it and, and to um, really get, quote, get the kinks out and everything else. And then it's like, okay, team, this is what we're going to do. And they also go, excuse me, but I didn't even realize that we had a, a situation here. I think that's right. sort of the, the good thing about in team meetings, if things you know are, aren't working or whatever, to really sit with the group. Uh, it, it's what I loved about the old United, um, New United Motors plant in Fremont was that if they had a challenge, they brought the people who were working in that area together to look at how do we change this. And then they were the ones who presented it to senior management. Um, But they had the authority to be able to make change on the line um, Mm -hmm. and to build things. And and to, to me, it was probably one of the most innovative change organizations I've seen. And it's really too bad that it's gone. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, that, that understanding that it takes a moment for people to get on board with this. And I think too, that if, if you don't give them that time, that's when you run into that huge resistance of, no, I'm not going to do this. I don't know. Yep. Um, yep. Yep. Yeah, that pushback. Okay. So there are, there are three or four words that sort of go along with change. And if you could give us the difference between change, transition, transformation, and transcendence. Uh, you know, there's a, a theory in, in change management that I, I fully subscribe to, and that is that embarking on change is much like the, the five stages of grief, you know, that mm-hmm. you go through first uh, absolute denial, you know, this is not going to happen, right. you go down into anger, and then, you know, people go into despair and so forth, and so if you think about that as being, you know, the curve that goes down into this deep valley and then eventually comes up on the other side, the thing is, is that, that none of that is a given, and none of that is linear either, you know, there's... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it may look something like, let's, let's say we're talking about organization. It's like, nope, no way they're going to do that. that. That'll never work. They're going to come to their senses. Surely they won't try this. And then right. as it keeps going on, now you're, they're so stupid. They don't know what they're doing. You know, I can't believe they're doing this to our company and so forth. And then you get down into this valley of, holy crap, this is, this is really happening. You know, we're, we're here and there's nothing I can do about it. So now they're, you're feeling powerless, you're feeling uh, unmotivated, you know, all of these things. And you can slide right back up into that anger mode, down into despair, begin to see a glimmer of light and start to come out of it, and then something isn't managed well or communicated well, and you're right back down into that valley of despair. So there's no... you can't say, all right, I understand you're upset about this, but, you know, by next Wednesday, you're going to 
see that everything is wonderful <laughs> and you're going to be back to being a stellar employee. It doesn't work that way. You know, people go back and forth on that continuum. And as long as that happens, the leader has a, a great deal of, um, of impact and, and a great deal of responsibility for how much that pendulum goes back and forth and back mm-hmm. and forth. And so folks can enter into this place of change. They can get stuck there forever. I mean, we all know the people who are still talking about the great layoff of 1997. You know, yes. they haven't moved beyond that and they hate everything about life. You know, or they can begin to move into transition like, all right, I see where we might be going. I see how this might be, you know, an okay thing for me and equally get stuck there. I didn't have a say in this. I'm going to have to do this, but, you know, God help me, I am not going to make it any better. It's going into transformation is when you say, I'm now a part of this. I am going to lead what this has to do with my life, and I'm going to lead others with me. That's moving into that transformation stage. People don't have to ever get there. And Mm -hmm. how we manage this as leaders has everything to do with whether they do or not. And then, you know, the transcendence that you you speak of, I, I actually hadn't really contemplated that very much, but I believe that transcendence is where you would come to the place that I am not going back there I'm not going to spend another minute of my life thinking about how it should have been or what might have been. I have now moved all the way over to this other side. Perhaps that is the the ultimate transcendence. Yeah, I think you're right, Patty. Transcendence to me, um, and it came from a colleague of mine, Ann Evanston. She says transcendence is never going back. Whereas transformation, you can make that transformation, but there's always the possibility of stepping back, mm-hmm. whereas transcendence, no, yep. you, you've, you've made that choice. So thank you so very much. Now, one of the things that you work with with your clients is around resilience in change. First of all, tell us what resilience is. So resilience is, uh, is the ability to uh, bounce back, the ability to adapt and overcome. Uh, it, it's not positive thinking. It's not, oh, well, tomorrow, you know, the sun will come out tomorrow, anything (laughs) like that. It's more like, you know, well, this sucks. This absolutely sucks. What am I going to do now? And it's, it's kind of taking that, that power into yourself and saying, this isn't going to define me. This, uh, this thing isn't going to be the, the, the step in the road or the, the, the pothole in the road that I fall in and I never get out of. So being resilient and developing this attitude of resilience is very much about I will come through this. I will survive this. Um, I will be able to navigate the new normal that my life has become. Okay. Patty, in 1995, you encountered a life-changing event that set the course for the rest of your career. What, as you say, what could have resulted in a dead-end, bitter saga of mere survival instead led you on a journey to discover the difference between going under or pushing through. So the question is, when does resilience fail you? 
the short answer to that is never. Um, okay. if, if your mindset is one that I will not ever be a victim of my circumstance, I won't be a victim of what, uh, what life throws my way or what happens. If that truly becomes your mindset and a part of your North Star, you know, more or less, um, it doesn't ever fail you. It, it, it's the only option, you know, so the, the event that you mentioned in 1995 was I had, I had been married for a very long time and, and my marriage ended abruptly and I didn't have a plan B. I mean, there, you know, who makes a plan B for, for your life to be altered, you know, like that and faced with no other option, but to pick up and move forward because I had three kids to support um, that's when I began to realize that I had an opportunity. I, w- I was actually counseled um, to quit my job and go on welfare, and then the state of California would be forced to go after, you know, my ex-husband and, and make him support us. And, I mean, all of that just sounded wow. so, oh, poor me, you know, somebody mm-hmm. rescue me. and. I began to realize, man, I was not raised this way. This is not the legacy I want for my children. So what do you do? You, you pick up, you dust yourself off, and you move forward. And you find things in yourself that you had no idea that you even had. And I, you know, I have used that, that story and that experience a lot in coaching uh, women or men who find themselves in, in similar situations. But, uh, you know, as you know, Linda, we, um, I've, I've remarried. I'm, I'm very happy. Uh, but last year we had a, a serious blow um, when my son died. Um, yes. He was 36. Joel was 36. And he had struggled with um, addiction for a number of years. And beyond anything else I had ever had to experience, be, beyond your marriage ending, beyond layoffs, beyond uh, job changes, beyond moving, um, you know, all of these kinds of things. This was like just a shock to the gut. What, what, what do I do? <laughs> what, mm-hmm. how, does, how does one go on when their child is no longer in their world? And the answer just is, is that this is how I raised him. This is what he would expect of me. We, uh, it, it certainly isn't getting over. You don't ever get over something mm-hmm. like this, but you push through and you find your way in the new normal and you don't let that become the place that you laid down and died to because that doesn't honor anybody. That doesn't, you become a victim, that other person becomes a victim, you know, the, the world circumstances become the victor, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not how I raised my kids. And that's not the message that I gave them. That's not the message I give to the people that I serve. And that sure as hell is not going to be my legacy in life. Mm-hmm. Patty, I think I find too with women is when something like that happens, what it what it often fosters is a strong need to to create a movement of change. You know, the women against drunk drive mothers against drunk drivers were 
based on one mother you know, drawing together other mothers who had lost their children due to drunk drivers. Um, we have you know, all sorts of the Me Too movement, those kinds of things, where a horrific um, change in someone's life um, creates that I'm, I'm not going to take it anymore. I, this world has to change. These circumstances have to change. They can't continue. Um, have you stepped into a movement around drug addiction or anything in those aspects? Uh, yes and no. Um, it's still very raw. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know what my mission in this is. I do believe that there is a mission for me. I just am not certain what it is. And rather than just kind of take a, a scattershot approach to it, I'm I'm waiting for that to reveal itself. I have been able to um, come alongside some parents who have gone through a similar situation mm-hmm. uh, and just be there to support them and say, hey, you know, I know how you feel. I know how much this hurts. From an advocacy standpoint, I don't know yet uh, what what that's going to look like. Okay, I I know you will find the perfect way of honoring your son and helping those who are in similar situations to you um, with their children, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, we have just a minute or so before our next break. Um, how can an individual increase their personal resilience factor? And now we have one minute. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, so there's, when we come back, yes, I'll, we'll, we'll I'll continue give you this. some uh, practical tips on, on what I think people can do to begin to exercise their resilience factor and begin to strengthen it, too. Because obviously that was something that you needed very much in in both of the situations in your life, um, that ability yeah. to bounce back, that ability to not you know, drive you into despair in such a way that, as you said, go on welfare or no, I can't do that. Um, and I think that's mm-hmm. that's a very powerful statement that you've made, Patty, and yeah. I want to thank you for that. So audience, I want you to think about um, changes that have been in your life and how you've handled them. Have you had the resilience to be able to bounce back or did you end up stuck in the trough of whatever that change was and were not able to make that change? And we'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Linda Patton draws from her four decades of leadership experience and her heartfelt passion to show women how to lead, dream, and create what inspires them. Her signature training programs and workshops will guide you through the key skills you need to own your leadership power, build your resources, plan your path, and take the actions that will translate your vision into reality. Start by scheduling a free, no-obligation, 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at DareToDreamWithLinda.com. That's Linda at Dare, the number two, DreamWithLinda.com. 
Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Have you left your corporate or military career to start your own business? Are you frustrated that you're not seeing the success you expected as an entrepreneur? Let leadership expert Linda Patton show you the key skills and mindset you need to engage your team, build your influence, and create the thriving business of your dreams. Linda Patton understands the challenges and frustrations facing a new business owner. Drawing from her own 40 years of experience in the military, corporate, government, and entrepreneurial arenas. That's why it's become Linda's life work to help women like you truly become the world-changing, extraordinary leaders you are meant to be. Are you ready to step in, step up, and step out into leadership to create an exceptional business and life? Start by scheduling a free 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at Dare to Lead with Linda.com. That's Linda at Dare, the number two, leadwithlinda.com. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Leadership Stars with Linda Patton. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Linda at daretoleadwithlinda.com. Now, back to Leadership Stars. Welcome back to Leadership Stars and my guest, Patty Vargas. I am so glad to have her here. Um, uh, Patty's also a you know, frequent conference speaker, and she speaks on change management, of course, personal resilience, team dynamics, and issues facing women in the workplace. Um, she definitely entertains and energizes her audiences on surviving and thriving during change. And I think that's the key is thriving through the change, not just surviving through it. Patty, welcome back. Thanks, Linda. Okay, so we started a conversation and had about 30 seconds um, about how an individual can increase their personal resilience factor. And you said you had some practical tips. I do. Um, you know, and again, this kind of was born out uh, when when I went through, you know, my divorce in 95, uh, was that I didn't have a plan B. You know, I didn't I didn't know who I was outside of being, you know, uh, the other half of this this marital unit. Um, so I hadn't ever really, you know, stopped to think about, you know, the me in all of this and what did I believe in and what did I hold important and valuable and so forth. And I think that happens to many of us. We lose ourselves when we become a part of something else. And so I think number one is really taking the time uh, to define who you are, what your personal value system is, uh, what are your, uh, your non-negotiable, you know, values that you want to live your life by. So one of the, the exercises that I did not long after that was 
I uh, attended a, a Stephen Covey course on the seven habits of highly effective people. Best book ever written, you know, for business. Oh, yeah. I highly recommend it. But mm-hmm. I, uh, I went through an exercise of, of defining my personal mission statement. I call it my North Star. Um, and it, it sits on my desk still to this day. It hasn't changed. I might have tweaked some of the wording a little bit, you know, to be more relevant to what was, you know, more current. But what I believe in is very crystal clear to me. Who I am, what kind of legacy I want to leave behind, what I want people to think about me and say about me. So I think that's number one, because then when when something comes in and sweeps you off your feet, you're not trying to figure out, wait a minute, you know, who, what, what who do I, I think about this? How, you know, what do I believe in? What's important to me? You know, you've already kind of settled that ahead of time. So if, if you've never done that, I recommend that you do that. And I, I actually talk about how to do it in my book, The Resilience Factor is Your Superpower. <laughs> and right. I, I, always work with my clients. That's the first thing they do when we begin to work together. The second thing is, is to know that you have the ability to control the outcome of this story and that you can manage how this story is going to end. You may not be able to change the fact that this thing has happened, but you can change how you're going to be in it, who you're going to be in this event, and you can therefore have a little bit of control over what happens on the other end of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Managing ourselves, managing our inner thoughts about it so that we're not doing the whole negative self-talk and uh, negative reel that plays constantly, you know, in our head, and managing the people that we are associating ourselves with during that time too because if you're if you're hanging out with the people that are jumping on the this is awful bandwagon and and trying to make you their little pet project or what have you it's not you have lost control over the narrative so you know number 1 knowing who you are knowing what you stand for and what you believe in and then knowing that you can control the outcome of your story by managing the conversation that's going on around you. Awesome. Okay. Um, and you have a free gift for our audience, yes? Yes, around I do. This. Um, and it's, uh, I believe the link is on your website. Um, they is. can also get it on my website. And it's basically uh, just a very simple um, three, uh, three, cha- or three steps to learning how to respond and not react in any given uh, situation. And and the difference being that reacting is instinctual. It means I I didn't have a plan. (laughs) I don't like this. I'm kicking against it. Whereas responding is a conscious choice. And when we react without thinking, it's our gut reaction. It's based on fear and insecurity, and it's probably not in our best interest. So there's a, a, a three tips, uh, three steps that people can take uh, on learning how to respond and not react. And I'm, I love to share that with people. Awesome. So, uh, Patty, are those the strategies that people can develop to make them more resist- resilient during change? Or were those the, those the tips that you just gave us to increase their no, resilience? It's, it's kind of a... a, a uh, 1A, maybe. <laughs> so okay. It's just some, 
some tips on, on uh, as far as being able to control the outcome of the story, you Mm -hmm. have to be able to step back and choose how you respond and not react to it. Right. So there's almost a sense of pause in there, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. As as a... As opposed to just running full bent into into a change or into denial or whatever it may be, it's it's that pause, you know, stop yes. and think, stop and yes. evaluate, stop and look at. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And and the thing is, is that uh, the pressure uh, of being in the unknown can make us feel like we don't have any choices. And, and one choice is going to rear its head immediately, and it might be the right one, and it might not be the right one. So taking that pause can give you the opportunity to see things possibly differently before, before you make a move, before you move forward. So, Patty, it's also like, you know, when someone um, makes a comment or there's a presentation or whatever – and you don't agree, or in fact, you get so angry about what they're saying and, and their position and this kind of thing, that you really want to just jump in and, you know, blast them with, you know, your opinions and, and your education and everything else that points out why it's wrong. Um, it's that pause to think and that pause to reflect before and to move away from the emotions um, and to really get a sense of what are they really saying? Um, Is this Mm -hmm. really, you know, in a dichotomous way from what I believe? And I think if people did that more, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and that word emotion is is a big one because taking that, that opportunity to hit the pause button allows you to separate the logic from emotion because you have to ask yourself, where is this coming from? You know, what internal programming is leading me to think this? Um, what, what personal affront am I, am I leaning into at this point? So being able to separate those two, you can say, okay, wait a minute, maybe, maybe this isn't really an attack on me, or maybe mm-hmm. they do have a, a viewpoint here that I need to pay attention to. And, you know, God forbid, there's just the possibility I might be wrong. My opinion oh. just might not be the only way to look at this. So <laughs> there's, you know, taking that pause button is, is just critical in so many areas of our life. And I think if marriages would last longer if we punch <laughs> the pause button, you know, between what yeah. either one of us said and the response. Uh, or how yes. you respond. Um, I love my right. husband dearly, and we've we've been together her for we've been married for forty three years. We've been together for forty five, and there are moments when he he will say something, and it just it it triggers my. I am not a law student. I am not dealing with the Socratic method. Could you please just answer the question that I gave you? Because <laughs> that that's. That's what he's learned. That's how he he teaches everything. So instead of giving you an answer, he makes you think about it. He makes you dig for it. And it's like, after 45 years, haven't you learned that I I don't like that? When I ask you a question, I really want an answer for it. Um, And I've had to learn that, that stop, pause. It's just who he is. It's just how he... He teaches how he instructs is by asking a question, not by giving an answer. 
Um, and that's kept yeah. us together for 45 years. <laughs> yes, I was yeah, too. Yeah, that pause button it, should right? be installed. <laughs> oh, yeah. It goes along with the easy button, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> Patty, is there a, like one more thing that you want to share with the group before we go on to tips? Uh, you know, I, I think that... Um, Learning about my resilience, learning that I was truly made for this and that we are all made for this is, is so important. And, and I am on a mission, you know, to share that with people that, that we have a lot more to say about our life than sometimes we think that we do. Uh, I do, you know, my book was published um, earlier this year. It's available out on, on Amazon, and it's called The Resilience Factor is Your Superpower. And it's a quick read. It's an easy read. Um, I've been so thrilled by the feedback that I've gotten from people who said, have said things like, this is my story. You wrote my story. And that was the goal. That was the um, it, that it's not anything new. We just need to be reminded that we have this power within us. And I think that's so key to how this world is, is changing. I mean, it's changing, well, it changes the speed of trust, but it also changes in a, in a moment. And you're yeah. going from one reality to another in like a nanosecond. Um, and yes, I think that I think the more stories we tell, the more people can relate to that, and the more we can embrace change and be resilient to it as well. So, Patty, um, as we close, you gave us just a couple of really great um, tips about no no plan B. What are the two things that you need to do? Mm-hmm. Do you have just one more tip to share with the audience? Yeah. Um, I like to to think of my life uh, as a continuum, you know. So if you were to look at any dot on that continuum and say, this is my life, this is what defined it, it would be very wrong because it would negate what came before and it would certainly negate what's going to come afterwards. So if we view whatever we might be going through, whatever that circumstance might be as just a dot on the timeline. It's a point in time. It's not a life sentence. This Fantastic. is not the way it's going to always be. So I, I find that viewing life as a continuum to be incredibly helpful to me. That's perfect. And that's a perfect way to close. Thank you, Patty Vargas, for being with us today. And audience, if you'd like more information about the art of hurting cats, leading teams of leaders, or <laughs> the Awaken the Leader program, please do send me an email at Linda at Dare the Number Two Dream with Linda.com. And until next week, remember, be courageous and dare to lead. We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to Leadership Stars. Please join Linda Patton for another engaging edition of our program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll feature another noted leader next week. 